Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Raw Show with Michael McDonald and I have a very special guest. We have Jackie Schwab joining me today. Jackie, thanks for being a guest on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me, Michael. I appreciate it. Jackie describes herself as the reluctant ringmaster, which is uh, definitely something we're going to dive into. She's the reluctant ringmaster of Jackie Schwab's circus. So just before we we get into the first question. Could you be able to share a little bit about where that came about and, and why you call yourself the reluctant ringmaster? Well, absolutely, Michael. Thank you. So um, in 2013, I thought my life was kind of going on exactly the way I planned it. I'm very meticulous is the nice word and uh, had a plan for my life, right? So I was pregnant with my fourth child and we were going to an appointment to try to figure out why my third daughter wasn't quite like her older siblings. And, and we walked into the room and she, for the very first time, she was two years old, she said a word. She said the word bird. So I was very excited. So I thought, oh, she must be fine. She, she said a word. She's not deaf. She's not autistic. She's none of these things. Well, it turns out, um, as the not most feeling person ever gave us the diagnosis at the end of the meeting, as I was sitting there like three weeks from delivering my next child. And she said, well, she's at least moderately autistic and she'll probably not do much of anything. So you'll need to get into 40 hours a week of intensive therapy immediately. She talked for a long, long time after that about all of the things that were gonna change my life, but I, I still don't think I even remember all of them to this day. And, uh, so I took my waddling Betty out and put my two-year-old on top of it because she refused to walk, which is one of the other fun things. And I dropped her at home with the daycare person and I went to my office and I cried because I was like, oh my goodness, you know, what, what am I going to do here? Yeah. And at the time I was the um, director of innovation at a cardiac MRI software visualization company. I had a really um, busy uh, career with a lot of responsibilities. I had two, um, I had three children already, and school's about to start. So the kids are going to a new school. My daughter's going into full-time therapy. Our daycare lady was um, felt we lied to her and had a special needs kid, and we didn't let her know. But she started in June, so we didn't know, right? We just found out today. It was in August. Yeah. Then my mom, I got a call like two in the morning. My mom probably wasn't going to make it through the night. She is, she was very ill and um, they weren't really sure what happened. Uh, both my dogs died. My dad and my stepdad had heart attacks. And after I returned from maternity leave the exact very first day, I was told my position was eliminated. Ugh. And it was a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just hearing that was, uh, wasn't very good so what was it like for you um I'm so as I, I think I mentioned I'm kind of meticulous uh, mm -hmm. probably would have been declared a bit of a control freak um until that point in my life and literally everything that I'd ever had control of seemed to have fallen apart and um I was just really overwhelmed so I did what I normally do under stress which is I researched answers <laughs> Yeah. So I either research or I read or I take a class. Um, but there weren't classes on how to deal with an autistic child right before you deliver a baby and your dogs die and your mom's almost going to die and your dad's have heart attacks scenario. So um, I kind of had to sort of search around for how does a mom deal with an autism diagnosis. But 
what I kept finding was how to deal with the medical stuff. And what I didn't find was how to, like, how to deal with me. Like, what do I do now? How do I manage all of this stuff when I was already probably managing more than was seemingly humanly possible? And I didn't find anything. I didn't find the answers. I didn't know what to call myself. I wasn't just a parent anymore. And I didn't feel like a caregiver because, you know, I was caring for my mom remotely and my daughter Zoe was my daughter. Like it's not caregiving, it's parenting. Um, but it was caregiving and it was more. And so I couldn't find a solution. And so reluctantly, I would say, which is how I became the reluctant ringmaster, I decided to build one because that's what I do. I'm technical, 20 years of healthcare IT background. And so then I started that new adventure in life because that wasn't adding on any stress at all, you know, at all. <laughs> and uh, started building a startup uh, that got funded to provide a, for, provide a software solution to at least help with some of the overwhelm. And, um, and that's how I began to be the reluctant ringmaster where I, you know, we do a podcast myself and others that join similar to yourself. Mm -hmm. And every week we try to bring tips to caregivers that are about them. Like, how do you take care of you in the midst of drowning in everyone else's needs? And that's, that's how I became me or who I am today. <laughs> so what was the, what was the first step then? So you, you tried to research the, the different ways that, that you could help yourself as well and, and help your child and everything else, and you didn't find the answers. So what, what led you to not just keep looking, but to then create it yourself? What was that initial moment? It was, it was actually about three months of research, um, which is a long time to research. And it it was timed kind of with how long I was on maternity leave. <laughs> so I had time kind of to figure, figure that out. And uh, okay. So in the meantime, um, I had that, that time to kind of look and research and I couldn't find what I needed to find. And then I, I think sometimes the world just answers your, your prayers or it answers your questions for you when you can't find them yourself. Because then I went back to work and was told I didn't have a job. So now I had an immediate problem, which was to eat. Um, so <laughs> I feed my now four children and one who had a very expensive therapy regime. And I am married. My husband and I have been together about 20 years. But um, ABA therapy in the States is like $50,000 a year. And I just lost a very high-level software engineering position. And so we had no money. So I thought, well, this is... I can make a solution while getting funding and get paid and hope that those things kind of come together. So I think it was a bunch of other life circumstances that sort of pushed me over the edge, whether I was ready to be there or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that sort of makes sense because it's, you know, we all have our own moments. We all have our own limits. We all have our own kind of situations where we say, you know what, it's just, it, it's just not, 
working it's not happening i need to go and find out what what to do and how to do it and everything else and it seems it seems to me at least the other kind of person that that won't stop until you actually <laughs> have an answer like you, you would you would keep going and, and everything else you, you, you seem to at least from from my impression is to be someone that's quite determined i might be a bit tenacious yes <laughs> I, I i don't tend to be someone who who gives up um and there, there really just didn't seem to be answers out there, at least not the ones directed at parents. And um, so I had a bunch of immediate needs. And, and also, um, I had to be, you had to have an adult home with your child who was in, we, we went the ABA therapy route and it was 40 hours a week of in-home ABA therapy. So it had to be supervised by an adult. So not only did I have to find a position I had to try to find a position that was paying me something similar that would allow me to work from home that would, you know, let me to have stop every hour to two hours and let a therapist in and let a therapist out. And, and it was, um, there's a lot of new limitations that I had to figure out a way to overcome in getting a new job and asking for all of those kind of extra, you know, extra perks is really not, it's not really a great way to kind of get in there and do stuff. No. So um, I did find actually a, a, re- a regular job for a while. I was working for uh, Xerox and they were amazing. I worked for the healthcare solutions company, but they, they hired me in as a consultant. So I had like, it was 50 to 75% travel. So I was either home directly supervising my daughter as I was supposed to or completely gone. And I, you think remote caregiving for your mom is hard and day-to-day caregiving for your daughter is hard. Try doing all of that in an airplane or, you know, in Florida when I live in Wisconsin. And it was, um, so that was about two years of crazy town for sure. <laughs> uh, and um, then uh, they, they folded that group. And so I got another job being a product manager for software. And they let me work from home like four days a week. And and that actually worked pretty well, but then they did some right sizing. And I think like the universe was like, look, dude, you just are going to have to start your own company. Like we're, 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 we're going to put every single obstacle in your path possible until you like wake up and realize that you have something that you're supposed to do. And um, so I listened and I, uh, March of, was it last year was my March 10th of last year was the last day a full-time employment outside of the home um, that wasn't part of my new company. And I would say that was probably the first day of the rest of my life. And um, the day I became the reluctant ringmaster because I have to do it all now. Right. And there's, there's no safety nets when you're on the, when you're on the trapeze of life, there, there are no safety nets and that's kind of how we're rolling now. Yeah. What was the initial conversation like? So when you were in these interviews with people and you wanted the job, right? But then you also had certain, I mean, from, from their perspective, there'd be almost like conditions for hiring you, you know, so yeah. if you want a better expression, like it's like, okay, you, you want to hire me, but I need, I need these things in order to, to be able to look after my family and everything else. So what was that conversation like? It was actually very difficult, and I think the reason it was difficult is I have um, I have an uncanny sense of ethics. Like I won't, I don't lie to people. I won't mm. lie to people. I won't 
leave out parts to lie to people or um, any of those things because I don't have energy to remember all the lies that are told. Uh, and I also, I'm a, I'm a soft, I've spent 20 years being a software person. So I haven't, I wasn't always the most tactful. Uh, I was pretty kind of direct in my approach. And so um, these nice, wonderful HR people would ask me loaded questions and I, it probably felt a bit like I was giving them back loaded answers because I would say, well, I have a special needs child and I have three kids and I just kind of give it to them with uh, both barrels. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so it took three months to find a job. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I can't imagine that that would have helped your, your chances a little bit. Just go, yeah. So, so you need this, this extra time and at home and you need to do all these things. Why is that? And you just sort of like drop this weight on them and go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, great, yeah, thanks. We'll, we'll let you know if we get the job. It's, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't, really? doesn't seem to lend, lend itself over to having an easy time finding a job that, that's that flexible. No, it was, it was like, here are all the things. <laughs> and they're like, oh, those are, those are a lot of things. Um, <laughs> Now, I think what ended up working out so well with the, the Xerox situation was um, I've, I have 20 years in healthcare integration, so I'm, I have very unique niche specialty, and we're, you know, we're nerds. We don't need to be anywhere to be nerds. Like That's the great benefit of being a nerd. We get to be <laughs> in our little hobbit holes in the basement under where they don't want other people to go anyway because they might talk to us, so... Uh, it worked out for my benefit that I had a real strong technical background and uh, that afforded itself to being able to work from home. Um, and I do think that the people that hired me at Xerox were just amazing, amazing older gentlemen who had had 30, 40 years in the industry and they just got it. They were family fearing men or family men and they were God fearing folks. Um, not that others aren't, but they just were like, yeah, you got to do your thing, you know, do your family thing. You work hard. We'll make sure that we can accommodate as best as we can, as long as the clients are um, open to that. And then luckily I fell upon an amazing client who was a mom whose son had some special circumstances. And so she was very accommodating. So I was certainly blessed to almost feel like I was sl slowly ushered in. Um, by the world in the universe, instead of sort of literally being thrown off the roof, I was given some time to sort of figure it out. Ah, um, okay. But I was very, very lucky, very fortunate that um, they were there and were willing to take a chance on on me and my dreams. Is, <laughs> is, is there a moment when you sort of said, well, sometimes it is about the the actual communication of of what you want like when you have these, these conversations I mean you seem to have found someone that was quite accommodating that was quite willing to to do certain things to make your life easier how important would you say it was to to try to come to some sort of level ground and try and even communicate that in the right way yeah I, uh, I think it's a loaded question it was very important Michael but <laughs> um, I think what was a big deal for me and that probably the awakening moment where I, I truly feel like I'm a different human now than, you know, even five years ago, three years ago. Um, I had one of the people that I worked for at Xerox um, 
was, like I said, a kind of a wiser old souls, right? They're a little wiser gentlemen. And he was really, really smart and very sweet. And he had learned to talk to other humans besides technical people. And he said to me, he's like, Jackie, you know, you're burning the candle at both ends. You can't live this life this way forever. You know, you're, 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 fe- you're not feeling well. You're, you've, you've told me, he hadn't even seen me, he'd never seen me before. <laughs> it was all remote phone calls. He said, you told me you were overweight. You told me you were struggling with, you know, balance between your family's needs and your needs. You know, you, you sound so stressed. You're not sleeping well or you're sleeping all the time. And, you know, everything's kind of out of whack. At some point, you got to worry about you. And I was like, I don't have time to worry about me. <laughs> I don't have time to worry about my kid and my other kid and then my other kid. And then and at the same time, my, my other son was diagnosed with was dyslexic. So he had a very oh. rare form of sound dyslexia. Yeah. My older daughter developed some, which I'm sure from all the crazy house stress, right? She developed a very extreme phobia of bugs. And we live, that was not a good thing. No. And so we have all of this stuff happening. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm kidding. And um, so his advice is the advice I give everyone else. Um, and it's the kind of the beginning of my journey in self-care, but he said, uh, hang up the phone and go take a bath. And I was like, what? (laughs) She's like, hang up the phone and go take a bath. And he's like, oh, and by the way, lock the door and don't let the kids in. (laughs) And I was like, why would I do that, Randy? He said, well, because they are the only one in there. And sometimes you have to put on your own oxygen mask. And I was like, what? And he gave me the, you know, you hear this everywhere. Everyone uses this analogy, but when you're ready to hear it, or even when you're not ready to hear it, but you need to, it does have more of that meaning, more of that metaphorical meaning. He said, if if you're in a plane and the oxygen masks come down, they always tell the moms to put theirs on first, or they might not have the strength, right, to save themselves. And what are you going to do if your three-year-old child makes it, but you're dead? Right. And there will be no one there to take care of them later. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever, Randy. He's like, no, I mean it. He's like, don't make it a condition of your employment. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> um, so I did. And I thought about it and uh, it took a little bit longer, but uh, at that point I was 245 pounds. I'm about five, six. So that's not small. Um, <laughs> so it's a little on the heavy side and I'm traveling a lot and I'm eating cruddy food and I'm super stressed out. I'm trying to set a good role model for my children. I'm trying to learn all this ABA stuff. My poor husband's like, she's crazy. I'm just going to leave her alone for a while. And so I just started walking and I started, um, meditating with just a little app on my phone. Cause I didn't even know what meditation was, but I figured it was quieter than my life. And, <laughs> and I uh, uh, started trying to take care of myself a little bit. And it was really, really hard. Because I, I actually kind of realized I'd never had ever taken care of me. Um, and it felt really selfish, like really, really, really selfish. Um, and uh, well, I don't know how many years this was 2013. So that's like seven, 2017, that was four years later. So yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, <coughs> I'm about 180 pounds now. So I've lost six, what is it, 65 pounds um, every day. I know it is a lot. It's, a whole, it's like a whole child. 
It is. <laughs> that's, that's definitely one way of putting it, yeah. yeah. yeah I was like, lost. Well, I didn't need any more children. So that's one way to get rid of the extra baggage. Um, <laughs> but just trying to, uh, at least once a day, and it's still, it's still a big struggle for me, but to, to realize that I'm a forever caregiver, it's, it's a little bit different than caring for a parent who is going to pass. I have to figure out a way to care for a child even after I'm gone. And so to me, that means if I, if I can't be selfless and if I can't think of myself for myself, I have to be around as long as I possibly can and stay as healthy as I possibly can so I can be there for her as long as I possibly am able. And that really changed my view on pretty much everything. And it became important to drink water and to uh, walk and to take time to de-stress and to realize that every person's important. And uh, so I think I'm still on the journey, but it's definitely going in the right direction. You mentioned um, walking and meditation and from everything that you've said, I mean, you, you are juggling quite a lot of things at the same time. This sounds like you've, you're someone that might have like 10 balls that they need to juggle, but you, you are quite good at juggling. So you, you clearly you're able to do that. So what, what sort of strategies do you have that can, can help you fit all of these things in? Because obviously I imagine there's an element of it that you might need to react as well. Like a lot of it might be a little bit unknown as in something might just happen that you've then got to react to and you've got to take care of, but that might have a knock on effect on other things that you then have to do. I would imagine. I mean, just yeah. from all the guests that I've listened to and from my own experience, you know, we only have a certain amount of time in the day. And if something that you probably shouldn't do or that you didn't think that you had to do or that wasn't on your agenda for the day, all of a sudden that takes up an hour you're you're then an hour less in the day to a certain extent you know so what, what strategies do you have to to balance the element of potentially reacting but then still able to take care of your family and as you mentioned take care of yourself as well yeah so that's a that is a, a fantastic question and um and you're right actually so uh, i i was when i'm I was talking about my boss and he's like, you're burning the candle from both ends. And he was right because like quite literally I would be getting up at five in the morning and going to bed at one or two in the morning and doing that six days a week. And so not only did I, I just, I didn't have time to take care of myself. <laughs> there was no, there were literally no more hours in my day at all. And, uh, and at the same time, and how, of course, this would happen, it makes complete sense. Uh, I was diagnosed with, with narcolepsy, which is kind of a fun little sleep disorder that makes life awesome. And uh, so again, I, I, I would just kind of say the universe was like, all right, dude, seriously, slow down. So now we're going to slap you with a disease that makes you sleep because you just are being stupid. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I had this, I had to figure out a way to quite, I always say I've quite literally materialized time out of my butt. And how <laughs> was I going to do that? And so I started doing little things like um, I needed to turn some things into routines. 
that would allow me not to have to think of every single thing all of the time because there was a huge amount of decision fatigue. Like every, everyone's coming to me with everything all of the time. Like the doctors are calling me to ask me if they should incubate my, or incubate my mom. And at the same time, the therapists are asking me if we should continue to let her scream since it's the fourth hour of her screaming at the top of her lungs. And then my, you know, my son's like, can I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And I just go off the rails. <laughs> I can't possibly yeah. handle the peanut butter jelly sandwich conversation. And so um, I started doing what I have coined for myself just because it helps me habit chaining. So I would make one very, very, very small habit and I would continue to do that. And once I felt like it was so automatic that I wasn't thinking, I would chain onto that maybe one of my less desirable habits that I needed to put in. Um, so it's kind of linked with something that was going to happen anyway. And it created a, a really solid like cue routine reward system, which is great because it's sort of habit hacking your subconscious versus, uh, you know, logically all of us are like, I want to be thin. I want to be fit. I'm going to go walk for walk today. And then, you know, lizard brains like, let's go eat Cheetos. And you're like, all right. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so I had to sort of hack that out a little bit. And what I found was as I started doing that, first of all, I started looking at the things I was doing and just and deciding, are those things of value? I mean, am I doing them because I need to, or am I doing them out of habit, good, bad, or indifferent, or am I doing them because I'm stressed or, you know, what do I need to be watching my email for three hours every morning? Or am I just doing that? Cause I don't know what else to do. And, um, so I started really examining the things on the to-do list and celebrating the ones that got done as my ta-da list and creating these little habit chains. And um, the way I describe it in, in a, um, a chapter of a book I'd recently written in was I went from juggling bowling balls to juggling birds. And, and what I mean by that is when you're juggling bowling balls, you better freaking pay attention because one of those suckers falls, it hurts. Like it lands on your toe every time, right? It always lands on your foot. And, and, and then when every time someone throws a new ball at you, <laughs> it's a bowling ball and it heavily hits you in the stomach, right? So it's, it's not a fun game and it's not, it's not a way to live your life and it's hard. And so if, as I developed more and more habit changes, it was a little bit more like juggling birds because sometimes when someone would throw a new bird at me, the others could fly a little bit on their own. And it quite literally materialized time out of my butt. So I was, I was able to put in some really solid sleep routines to help manage my, my own chronic condition, um, able to find time to enjoy my children instead of feeling like I was always caregiving for them, start a new business, you know, all of these things. And it, it really stemmed from one teeny tiny itty bitty little habit. And my first habit was drinking a glass of water every time I went into the bathroom and that was it. And after I figured that out, I started just adding other little things. And, and today I'm not ready to jump off the roof most days. So it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's science backing the idea of habits now, and it's it's all it's all based on neuroscience and all kinds now. But um, oh, yeah. there's there's a definite uh, benefit that people can get when they when they sort of block habits that are alongside things that they do every day. This is why, like morning yeah. routine 
things are so popular because everyone wakes up you know so if, if you have if you have a very as you say with the the little thing if you have a very very small thing that you do every time you wake up you're doing it every single day yeah and it, it, it does make a big difference so yeah I, I like the idea that you use habit chaining as well because you kind of link them together and it's how how did you actually feel when this started to benefit you because i would imagine at least that you had to keep doing these things before you then felt the benefit from them I and mean, I, I could be wrong on that but what was the the actual impact on because you mentioned decision fatigue before so mm-hmm. it might be interesting to to maybe talk about that but what did it actually what did it actually do for you to, to put this in place um, so until very, like within the last couple of months, I actually hadn't really read a lot of books of personal development. So now I have all kinds of science to back up it. So I feel kind of smart. <laughs> so it's like, oh, look at all the smart things you did. But it, it did take a while, actually. It wasn't like, okay, I drink water every morning and now all of a sudden I'm not going to, you know, freak out about the peanut butter jelly sandwich decision. Um, but it, I would say probably a couple months, actually, um, because I had I felt like I had so many things I had to fix and trying to batch process that right fixing everything at once clearly wasn't working <laughs> it clearly was not working and um I had and I and I knew that so I had to sort of start small and I have to actually give credit to my my autistic daughter because one of the things that we 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 work with her on was, which is funny that you brought up is like morning routine and afternoon routine and evening routines. And as long as we didn't deviate from her routine, life was much better, right? Life was much better. She knew what to expect. We knew what to expect. And that resulted in a lot less screaming and meltdowns and headbanging and stuff like that. So I, I think I was more observing her successes before I noticed mine. And so I thought, well, if, you know, if, if this is working for her, I'm going to start with water and then I'm going to add brushing my teeth and I'm going to add this. And then eventually she and I were doing a lot of them together, right? So we get up together, we go and drink some water, we brush our teeth, and then we do this, this little habits together. And, and one, one morning I just woke up and I actually wanted to get out of bed. And that's literally never happened before. <laughs> I, I love to sleep. I love to sleep. Um, and I'm always tired. So I got up and I opened my eyes and I knew what I was supposed to do, even if all it was, was to drink some water and just knowing what to do and not having to make the choice anymore, not having to decide if we should have grape or strawberry or whether or not, you know, they should turn off the ventilator or all of those things. I just did it. And I think the first day that I woke up and just did it, I didn't think about it and go, okay, what's your first thing you do today? Okay, make sure you drink water. Oh, don't forget to get Zoe up. Don't forget that. When I just woke up and did it, I didn't, I didn't realize, you don't realize it at that moment either. It's like halfway through the day and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> I just like got up this morning and just did it. Like it's yeah. 12. How did 12 o'clock happen? Where, where did the morning go? And um, and things just kept getting lighter, like, like just, and as I don't have a great way to describe, describe it, but you know, like heavy feeling of always choking down, a, a, you know, tears or a meltdown or losing your bananas when you're, when all of a sudden you just don't feel that pressure 
every moment of the day anymore. You just feel lighter and, and feeling lighter somehow has a ripple effect. I mean, the kids got, you know, it's like the kids are less stressed. My poor husband is not afraid to talk to me. You know, <laughs> we go for family walks because people aren't worried that mommy needs quiet time. <laughs> so it's like a lot of really good positive things. Um, but I think that the other big one was because I'd always lived my life on this like pathway set in stone um with all of it was like i swear it's probably a gantt chart it was like okay here's all the tasks to meet this milestone to meet this project baby number one is born baby number two is born um and i didn't really celebrate stuff like i didn't celebrate i wasn't that mom that would go and take pictures of kids like when their first day of school i didn't like get all excited for the first haircut i'm like thank god the kid's hair is a mess like why are we being so weird it's, it's like practical cut hair what do you guys yeah. see? you're so weird um but then I started part of ABA, right, for my daughter again, is you have to celebrate these incremental little steps because it's very quite possible she may never get to that milestone. Um, and I think we're on step 287 on potty training. Like, seriously, I'm not kidding. It might be 289. Uh, if I waited until she was there to celebrate, like, the life was really, life was just really dull and not full of moments and so by learning how to kind of habit chain and break things down into teeny tiny little chunks, but then being able to start celebrating life in teeny tiny chunks. And at first just celebrating my kids because I was very uncomfortable celebrating myself still. Um, gosh, so many more laughs during the day. <laughs> it was a, like, it was a lot more fun when, you know, when peeing in the potty becomes a celebration versus you know waiting until she graduates college or something like that so uh, i think those those two things just taking the taking the time actually produces time and celebrating moments make your life more joyful and all of those things things like developed one minute at a time yeah, that makes perfect sense. And um, I just thought I would echo a few things, really, because it's important to celebrate the little things that you do as well. Like you mentioned being like over 280 on, on potty training. And as, as you say, you know, you can you can celebrate the things that you think are worth celebrating or you can celebrate everything, every little step along the way. And as you say, you know, we, we very often spend a lot of our time like in the middle like we're very rarely at a point where we are celebrating unless we think that there's something worth celebrating and there's very often not many of those but if yeah. you can if you can celebrate the little things and you, i mean did, um, do you actually make a big deal out of those little things or do you do you sort of like just say yeah well done or do you actually kind of i wasn't saying like you know throw, throw a party for for achieving like step one little, little teeny tiny thing but what sort of ways do you actually celebrate those little wins okay so i'm not actually kidding at all on this so body training has been a nemesis of my life um <laughs> so we started at two and now um, my daughter's she'll be seven in like two months so she's almost seven and where I would say we're 75% there, right? So we got number one stuff handled, number two stuff is kind of working itself out. Um, but for literally two years, every single time that child 
went to the bathroom on the potty, every single human that lives in my house jumped up and down and screamed, yay, Zoe, you went potty. It was the craziest thing. And it was oddly fun and weird and amazing. And kind of like when I started kind of equating our life to a circus, because we had a a timer set. Now we recently got an Alexa thing. So it's super cool. But we had this timer set for every two hours. And at the two hour mark, it was like the whole house was trained. Zoe's like the coolest kid ever because she essentially trains everyone. So the the timer goes off and even my four-year-old, right? My littlest guy jumps up wherever he is and is like, potty time, potty time, Zoe. <laughs> like, like the whole house jumps up. It's because they're like, oh, we got to get her in there. Potty time. So everyone jumps up. It's this big, huge thing. She goes in, she, you know, handles her duties. And as soon as that happens and she cleans herself and flushes, like the flush is like someone just got a new car because like the price is right or something. I mean, everyone is just, Zoe, you went potty. <laughs> it's a crazy, crazy house. I bet the neighbors think we're all nuts. Um, but it is that big of a deal. I, I think that we forget how amazing, right? How amazing life is and how amazing development is. We, you know, my older children were, were, ahead of everything, right? They walked and they talked and they did all these things well before I would have expected and the doctors expected. And, but they're miraculous things. Like they learn to crawl and walk and stand and jump and ride bikes. And each of those things, when you have a special child, you realize are like 500 little tiny things that they have to actually learn to do right before they can move on. And they're just, you know, able to kind of put them all together sometimes and do them quickly. But, you know, Zoe isn't. She needs to do them in one little step at a time. And I didn't just, I just didn't see that. I didn't see the world. I didn't see the world in all of its pieces. Um, It was kind of like a giant map with destinations that I needed to get to. And I certainly didn't make any efforts to look around and enjoy the journey at all. Um, and our life, our circumstances, our, you know, terrible privilege of being the parents of, uh, an amazing special little girl and three other amazing special little people allowed us to sort of see the trees and the grass and the air and and our lives are better for having got her. And we're able to do the things that we do because, because of her. And I'm thankful. I'm very thankful. It must be a, must be a really um, amazing feeling to know that having all the, the positives that you do actually celebrate allow you to see the positives in, in other things as well. It's, it seems, seems, at least to me, something that is quite neglected, I guess, in, you know, a lot of people's lives but you know your, your ability to, to celebrate those little things I mean, you must come you must be uh, a really positive and really affirming person to then see the the good in, in other things as well do you have any other strategies that that you can use so we mentioned the the time and the um habit chaining and, and all those kinds of things what else do you do to to almost juggle this 
this life that you you lead i mean a lot of people are like right okay habits okay what 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 else do you actually do so if someone was making a, a list now if people <laughs> are listening and they are making a list i'm sure they could be making a list right now what other things should they add to the list um so i would say like we talked about the first would be developing your kind of your habit chain to start getting positive things in the second would be celebrating every possible small moment and the third would be um finding a safe place and what i mean by that and what i've done is i i do use my breath if i'm feeling like the peanut butter jelly sandwich decision is going to throw me over the edge um i do close my eyes and i breathe in and i hold it and i breathe out and i do that a few times because um our breath is the only thing that we actually can both connect subconsciously and consciously. And for me, just taking that one moment to be still and to be safe within myself, within my space, um, and to be intent, intentional with how I'm going to respond if I'm feeling that the thing is an emotional response has been a great help to me. I'm probably that weird lady now that you see in her car after I did not flip off that guy that probably deserved it, that like pulled over and has her eyes closed because she's breathing through that urge to swear horrible things outside of the door. And I know all my kids to hear those words. Um, so, but it's definitely been uh, a way for, for me to just sort of focus and, and reset and kind of move, move forward. So that would, would be my third, my third suggestion. And my last one, or not my last one, but you know, the show's only an hour. I have 500 tips for how not to jump off the roof. But uh, my fourth one would be not to take yourself so seriously. I mean, I get caregiving is, is difficult, whether it's for a child or for an adult. It's hard to have conversations about how do daughters help fathers, you know, be clean in the restroom, right? How do moms deal with little boys who are behind but are six foot tall and they have to help them with hygiene issues there are all these things that we're afraid to talk about there's these things that we're ashamed of or that are secrets we feel that are we can't share with others but we're social creatures like humans are the most social of all of the mammals right we we have to be around one another the the whole point is to share your time, treasure, and talents with others in your tribe because we can't all have all of the skills. And so I, I think it's super important that you realize that and you do say the things you need to say. You do ask for what you need. It's not selfish to take care of yourself and it's not selfish to have personal needs. And sometimes cleaning poop collages of art off my ceiling is either going to be hilarious or really not. So I choose to laugh about it. I have a poop cup, a poop coffee cup. I use poop emojis when I do some of my posts on my Facebook pages. And I say crazy things because my life is pretty darn crazy. And that's okay. Because so is everyone else's. I'm just willing to talk about it and hopefully that allows other people the permission if they needed it to also talk or to also ask for help if they need it. 
that, that that's actually a, a great point and a great way to to almost allow people to do those things as you say you know i mean we all have bits of our lives that to other people might seem crazy some of it might be seen crazy to yourself but you do it because it's it's almost the best way to deal with or cope with or adjust to the reality of the situation so yeah i really appreciate you sharing that just before we we get to the the last couple of questions sure where can people go if they would like to find out a bit more about you so this is your chance to share links or, or websites or social media this is your chance to share those well, thank you. So I would say if, if you're looking for solutions to help with the overwhelming caregiving experience, you can go to our website, MindLight LLC. So M-I-N-D-L-I-G-H-T-L-L-C.com. And you'll find free download for u- utilizing our app to help manage some of your day. And if you're interested in tips and tricks on how to deal with caregiving as a parent of special needs child, uh, feel free to check out Jackie Schwab Circus on Facebook or caregivingcircus.com um, of our blog posts that talk about our journey with our daughter and our family and our other kiddos. Uh, I'm always there. <laughs> Smiling. Hi, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got one last question. I ask all my guests this, so the answers range far and wide. We've had funny ones to serious ones to pretty pretty and enlightening ones as well to say the least we've had a whole host of different things and uh, the question is what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know oh wow what does the world not know about me <laughs> i'm pretty transparent michael <laughs> <laughs> i would say i think that the whole world assumes because i'm an advocate for my children and myself and my family that I'm an extreme extrovert and that I, because I will stand in front of an audience of 5,000 people and tell, tell my story and and that's true. I will, but extroverts are also very often have times of introspection or where they're also introverts. I very, very much like sitting in the quiet and writing books and reading with silence and not always being in the center of attention. So um, I think it would be probably something even my husband sometimes would be surprised at, that you're not always extroverted. You're not always introverted, right? You're not always anything. And in my case, sometimes I would really just like to read a good book in a really quiet room with no little humans you know, making elephant sounds. <laughs> well, Jackie, that sounds like a very good way to finish. Well, thanks for being a, a guest on the show. If you're listening, make sure you check Jackie out. Make sure you, you share this episode and make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss our other guests. Jackie, thanks for being a guest on the show. I appreciate you carving out the time and I'm sure we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks so much, Michael. Have a great day. You too.